Today is Wednesday, August 21st. This is Perspective from Politics NC. I'm Kurt Kovac here in Raleigh. Thomas is on the phone with us in Carborough, I believe. Thomas, how are you today? Great. How are you doing? I am great. And just as soon as we thought things were finished with elections last year in 2018, we had the situation in the 9th District where the vote was sort of thrown out and they have a redo election. And already that is upon us. This week, the early vote starts in the 9th District with Dan McCready and Dan Bishop. And then also, I believe, in the 2nd District that Walter Jones uh, used to represent, who passed away. That's the 3rd District. Is that the 3rd? Okay. 2nd is holding, yeah. isn't it? I got those mixed up. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, But both of those special elections are coming up. And I think you wrote about it the other day, but just to, to recap on those, um, what is the situation with those two races? Well, um, in the ninth district, Dan McCready is running again. He lost the the general, or it looked like he lost the general by like less than a thousand votes. And uh, then all of a sudden, we found out there was a ton of voter fraud, and and probably enough voter fraud to to at the very least uh, put put a cloud over any sort of. Um, there's no way anybody could have determined for sure who won that election. So he, you know, he starts out with the experience in having run a campaign. The guy's a prolific fundraiser. He's really a pretty good fit for the district. He's a veteran. Um, he's a strong Christian in a district that's got a lot of evangelicals. Uh, he's from Charlotte, Southeast Charlotte, which makes up part of uh, the probably close to half the district comes out of Southeast Charlotte and maybe neighboring Union. Um, so he, you know, he's a strong candidate, and and then Mark Harris basically ended up getting implicated in the voter fraud. Uh, nobody pressed charges, but he decided that he was not going to run again because it was going to be a cloud over his head. And Dan Bishop, who is one of the most conservative uh, state senators, got into the race. Bishop's also from Mecklenburg County, and uh, he's the author of HB two, the notorious. Uh, bathroom bill, and in parts of that district, that may be a positive, or I'm almost certain that is a positive. Other parts, it's probably a negative. So he's a very divisive character. He's got a long history of uh, uh, anti-LGBT legislation. Um, he financially supports a white supremacist, openly white supremacist website called Gab, which is like uh, Twitter for uh, racist. Um, so, you know, but all the negatives in that, that he's got, what people like me consider negatives, are kind of positives in parts of that district. So it's going to be a contentious race. Donald Trump won that district by 12 points. Um, and it really is going to come down to who turns out the vote. And I, and I think the the most surprising thing to me is I thought we would be seeing a lot more national attention paid to this race. If if you remember the, the John Ossoff race back in Georgia six, right after Trump won election, you know, just had the entire political establishment and, and the United States focused on it. There were tons of people coming in for both sides to do get, to get out the vote they raised, you know, something like twenty or thirty million dollars for a congressional seat, from mainly from outside spending, 
And, and it's not been as big a deal as, as the ninth has not been as big a deal as I thought it would be. That said, early vote starts next week. Uh, is it next week or is it tomorrow? Well, I was just looking, and I think it started today, actually. I saw somebody voting, okay. so I think it's happening now. Okay, so so the early vote's begun. The, the ads are about to go up. There, there is a substantial amount of money in this race. It's not being ignored. It's just not garnered the national attention. That said, uh, it's kind of hard to compete with things like Donald Trump trying to buy Greenland. So, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of competition for news right now, but it still has not garnered quite as much attention as I thought it would, given the whole voter fraud thing, given the, the closeness of the election. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I think that uh, here's what I'll say about it. If Dan McCready wins that race or even comes within a point or two, every Republican in uh, the United States needs to be running for the hills. So that that's what I think about the ninth. Um, and then I guess the third district is, uh, you've got Alan Thomas, who was a former mayor of, um, uh, Greenville running against Greg, help me out here, Greg Murphy. Exactly. Greg Murphy's a state, state rep from down, uh, in, in Eastern North Carolina, who won a primary, had to, had, he faced a runoff from a, 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 a uh, woman, he's a doctor, she was a doctor. It, it did get a fair amount of attention um, because I think there were a lot of women in the Republican Party who wanted to show their flex their muscle, and then Murphy ended up winning the race by like 20 points or something. Yeah. So it really kind of was a setback to women in the GOP that he he became the nominee. That said, I think that, that district's like Trump plus 23. So... Uh, Nobody's paying a ton of attention to it. And that said, I, I think they're making a mistake not looking at it a little bit. I, I think it's hard for Thomas to win. But at the same time, if anybody can win that district, it's a guy like uh, Alan Thomas. He The, the district is huge. It, stre- it stretches all the way from kind of central North Carolina along the coast up to the Virginia line. There, there's lots of uninhabitable areas. Lots of swamps, lots of national forest, um, or, uh, or in state forests, lots of water incorporates the outer banks. But Thomas's family are political players in that part of the world and have been for decades. His father was a state senator from down in Newburn. His brother was a state senator from down in Newburn, and his brother now is the DA uh, for three of the counties in the district. So he, he's got credibility in the southern part of the district where very few people could, Democrats could do well. If a Democrat can do well down there, it's him. He also uh, was mayor of Greenville. So he's probably got a broad swath of support in what's probably the most densely populated part of the district. And his most recent job has been as, as director of the Global Trans Park, which is based in Kinston. So this this guy, Thomas, has ties across the district and has a great reputation as somebody who's, you know, he comes from a business family. Uh, he's kind of an old-line Southern Democrat, but uh, 
he if anybody can pull this thing off, I got to think he's the guy that can do it. Murphy, on the other hand, um, while he wasn't well known, um, he 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 has the advantage of a district that, by all by all rights, should be Republican. Um, so I I still think in a low turnout election, um, Alan Thomas could could surprise some people if if not getting if not winning outright, getting a lot closer than anybody would have thought. So I, I think these are two two races that we can, if you like the if you see politics a little bit as a spectator sport, these these are great ones to watch, and um, they give us something to do going into Labor Day weekend. Well, that is what I was going to say. You know, typically we sort of have to wait until after Labor Day for things to heat up, but now we have two congressional races in the middle of summer, so it, it is interesting to watch. And again, uh, puts the focus back on North Carolina politics, um, even somewhat on the national stage, like you said, a little bit less than usual. But I know when the fraud happened in NC9, that was a huge story, um, particularly on MSNBC. And I think the yep. New York Times covered it a lot as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with those races. But moving towards something a bit more in the realm of state government, uh, there was a, a bill earlier this year regarding local sheriffs cooperating with ICE. And now that's come back up again and I think it's passed both chambers and it's heading to the governor, um, who I imagine will probably veto it. But uh, what, what are the politics and the optics around this bill forcing local sheriffs to work with ICE? And I think they can be fired if they don't. Is that right? I don't know the consequences. I, I, I think that, um, you know, it's a constitutional office, so if, it's hard to fire a sheriff. Um so I, I don't know exactly what the consequences are, but if they can be removed for it, I think you're all you, you're going to run up with some, a little bit of a constitutional. Uh, it'll go to the courts. Sure. That said, it's a tough it's a tough uh, position for Democrats, even though the policy is probably pretty lousy. First, um, you know you, you're going to you're going to stress a lot of sheriff's offices because what they're saying. Uh, these folks have to be held in in jails uh, until ICE can come get them, even if it's for really minor infractions. And um, so you're going to have to have increased security. You're going to have to have you're going to have to pay for uh, housing of these people. Um, and you know, it really it really usurps. Uh, sheriff's authorities and 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 basically puts them get, puts them under the power of a federal agency that, that right now has no real control over state agencies so you know all these conservatives that talk about small government and 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 regulating the size of the federal government they just threw those those principles out the window for this one and said you know that's okay we're gonna we're gonna listen to the to the uh federal government it reminds me Back when, uh, back in the '90s, it was mainly the NRA ran all these ads calling uh, calling the the ATF alcohol, tobacco, and firearms jackbooted thugs because they were, you know, trying to rein in people who had dangerous weapons. Um, but it, it sure looks kind of like jackbooted thugs when when this 
we have a federal agency that usurps the power of local law enforcement um, and, you know, is literally storming houses to raid people. So, you know, I, I, I think it, but I think it's hard for Democrats. I think there's a, uh, particularly in a state like North Carolina, I think there's a huge anti-immigrant sentiment. Um, I think there's a belief that uh, people who are here, who are undocumented or here illegally, as they like to say, um, should be sent back. And this is one way to increase the number that are sent back. I doubt it's going to have a huge impact. But uh, again, it's, it's, it's politics. And if Cooper vetoes it, they're going to basically say that um, we're going to see ads about violent, illegal immigrants committing crimes and saying that Roy Cooper and the Democrats are siding with the with criminals over um, the citizens of the state. And it, so it's, it's a tough it's a tough place for Democrats. I'm not sure how they get around this thing as far. I think it's lousy policy. Um, but it's still, it's a, it's a hard emotional issue for them to overcome. Right. I I do think, you know, the arguments against it are a lot easier to paint in an emotional light, uh, and is a more compelling sort of attack ad versus, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I think for the bill, right, right, right. It's a lot easier for Republicans to run on this than it is for Democrats too, um, just because of the the nature of the issue, especially with how immigration is being framed uh, nationally. It sort of lines up with the way the president runs um, on his message. So I'm sure that'll have some impact or at least to be included in elections next year in the state. Um, uh, the, the last big issue is one that we've touched on for the last two months and it's the state budget, which still has not been uh, sorted out. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that? It seems like every day they go and they don't have any votes on it. There's not really any progress. It seems like both sides are just sort of doing uh, PR right now. Right. Both sides are lobbying accusations. Republicans are saying uh, Cooper's veto is preventing teachers from getting raises Cooper's saying that the Republicans refusing to compromise is leaving teachers without raises, you know. It, it, but really, I think that the Republicans are going to end up, I don't know how much people are going to pay that much attention to what's happening with this budget fight. But it, if anybody gets blamed, I think it's the legislature, because it's the legislator's responsibility to send the governor a budget that he'll, he can pass. And they're not even trying to fix it. Instead, they seem obsessed on trying to um, uh, override his veto. If I were the Republicans, my strategy would be I would, I would write a whole bunch of budgets that look better and better and better for Democrats, pass them, and send each one of them to them. Make him keep vetoing budgets. And then it looks like he's the obstacle. Instead, they're just sitting back waiting for him to veto one budget, and it, you know they're the ones that look like the obstructionists. He's already vetoed it. I mean, they're, they're waiting to override it. They're looking for some opportunistic thing. But right, the ball's in their court. Ball's in their court right now, and they're not making a move. And I think they get they get uh, they get the blame. Well, as always, we'll just have to wait and see. It's been. I actually see, it seems like I see different numbers from different people, but it's, it's definitely been more than 40 days, um, since they were supposed to have sorted this out, or maybe that's 
number differs between when the budget was supposed to be done and when the governor vetoed it. But either way, it's well, pushing I think too it, much now. I think it was supposed to have begun at the fiscal year. So right. whatever number of days since July 1st, we were supposed to have a new budget for, for the you know, new so fiscal that, that year. that would be the 50-day number then. Right. Imagine. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll have to see what happens with that. Uh, progress seems slow, maybe not steady at all, but uh, time will tell for that. Um, well, for Politics NC, I'm Kirk Kovac here. Thomas, thank you for dropping in for a few minutes today to talk about the politics in North Carolina. Thanks, Kirk.